Welcome in, episode 7 of the Fantastics Insider Football Podcast. James Adams and Dan Klassman back here with you, taking a deep dive into some tight ends here as we're talking fantasy football, getting you ready for the 2023 season. If you're getting ready, there's one place you should check out. It's insiderfootball.com, the home of our Fantastics Draft Advisor. You can get our podcast there. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen. You can catch us all weekend, mornings long, all summer on Sirius XM Channel 87. And We've already done quarterbacks. This week, we're doing tight ends on our breakdown. And James, I mean, it is the season, my friend. We've got lots of players to talk about. And before we get into tight ends, I mean, I'll tell you what right now. This year alone in fantasy drafts, I've taken about 17 different ways to handle the tight end position. I don't know. I mean, obviously, I'm trying to diversify. But I I don't know, man. This has been one of the most tougher years, I think, to figure out exactly how I want to approach the position. You know, I'm kind of with you too in that regard. Um, I probably don't have seven different, uh, 17 different paths, but I might have seven. And uh, it's been a lot of let it fall to me as it comes. Uh, Whether it's taking tight end one, two, four, eight, not going until uh, sadly even some, some, some leagues where I've been iced out or, you know, best ball teams where I've been iced out and I don't even have one of the top 12 tight ends. So, uh, I'm with you in that regard. I think last year I was in a just all-out wait-on-tight-end philosophy in about 90% of my leagues, and it worked out fine. But I do think that there is a case to be made for taking a couple guys uh, you know, early in drafts in the first few rounds, and, and, I'm do- and I'm fulfilling that belief by actually doing it. Yeah, no doubt about it. We're going to dive deep into those draft strategies, look at some of our breakout candidates. We got some bust to maybe warn you about, bounce back guys as well. But James, uh, let's start a little bit here. We we already sort of got into draft strategies and all these different ways, but with tight end, it really does depend on the format, like all the positions. Let's start with just a normal old uh, you know, hometown or 12-team regular redraft league, you start one tight end, maybe a second with the flex. And this is the spot where one thing that I I see people do in these types of leagues, especially where it is a mistake, is they draft two tight ends. Way more, And there's very, in my opinion, if you're playing in just a 16-man uh, roster in these types of leagues, which is your basic ESPN setup or whatever. I can't believe, I mean... If you wait on tight end and you're a little weak, I can understand the death. But often I see guys that are drafting these elite tight ends, like your Travis Kelsey's and Mark Andrews, some of these guys, that will draft a backup. And to me, that's the first thing I want to throw out there. You don't need a backup in redraft leagues where you have an elite tight end. Dan, I would love to play devil's advocate with you and tell you how I started two tight ends when I won the KFFSC. But the truth of the matter is one was probably my 17th round pick and the other one was like my 12th or 11th round pick. Uh, it was just a matter of roster construction. But that's a different uh, on, format because it's no, 20, it's 20 man roster. So you can't go to the waiver wire. I'm just talking about a regular old 16 team or man roster, 12 team league. My, if you, if you've drafted a top three or four tight end, you can go the difference between, I guess what the point I'm making here 
is the difference between tight end 11 and the difference between tight end 25 isn't very much. No, and I, I mean, I'm I, so so here's what I'm saying with you is I'd love to play devil's advocate, but the reality is I can't play devil's advocate and agree with you because that scenario actually led me to trying some early double tight end because I thought, oh, this is going to make me unique. And I think that's what people do maybe in these big best ball tournaments. And I know you're talking again about uh, the, the local home team, but then I've seen it washed into other leagues where that happens too. And here's what it does. It omits your flexibility by not allowing you to pick a fourth receiver before your third running back or, you know, whatever that that uh, formula is that you want to fulfill when you construct your roster. It it prohibits you from taking so many other picks later on. I just hate it, dude, because it actually it doesn't prohibit you from making the picks. I shouldn't say that. It prohibits you from playing those players, because if you take Andrews and Kittle, can you bench either one ever? You have to start them every week when you start your lineup, right? Yeah, I mean, so every you've single week. you've taken all your flexibility well, Just ask all the people that, that, that drafted so much in Kyle Pitts last year. They got to a point they had to keep starting him. They gave up the third-round pick to get him. Yeah, yeah I, think it's a, I think it's a really foolish uh, scenario. Um, the only time where I would even re- just consider doing it is if I was sitting there at the like the swing pick in the one and a half point PPR tight end leagues, and there's two flexes where you could start both of these tight ends. But even then, I think you're just giving up so much at the other positions that I just don't. I'm trying to find a way yeah, to justify it, and I'm not sure I can do it. I'm not a big fan of two elite tight ends unless you're a, unless you're in a format where tight ends really get an advantage. You know, Scott Fishbowl. Obviously, FFPC, we'll talk about those and how we approach them differently. But in general, you talk about best ball. Now we get into a different type of strategy here. In best ball, James, yeah, I love like like any format. I love getting one of the elite guys, and I will if I can get them in the spot that I think's right. And when I say elite guys, I'm basically talking about Travis Kelsey. And, I mean, there's others. I mean, Mark Andrews. I know we've talked about these guys. But it's the thing is, it's like, and best ball, if I don't get those, I'm fine just patchworking three scrubs together and because I'm going to get the guy in the lineup that's supposed to be in the lineup with the most points that week. I don't have to worry about figuring it out like I do in a regular start-your-own uh, lineup each week league. Yep, I totally agree with you there, too. I mean, I think uh, the case for elite tight end in best ball versus uh, set your lineup every week is definitely different. For that reason, exactly. I mean, sometimes it's nice, even if it doesn't work out every week. You know, I can remember one league where I had TJ Hawkinson. I never once thought about who I was playing at tight end. DFS, dual tight end strategy. I've seen a lot of analysis on it. It's a failed strategy as well. Very seldom. Yes, people try to do it because it's contrarian and the pricing structure. But if if you're looking at the history of it in like Millionaire Maker, I've seen some really good articles from my, some of my former colleagues like Scott Baird and some of these other dudes out there. It's not a, it's not a strategy that pays. Uh, you can get lucky on any strategy once or twice, mm-hmm. but it's about strategies that work over and over again. So I don't know. Tight end premium. You've got a lot more experience. I played a little bit in the format. You've played several more teams in drafts. Talk about how you deal with leagues where tight ends might get uh, one and a half points per reception or a bit more than a receiver or a running back does for a catch. So uh, a guy that I know we're both uh, friendly with, John Bosch, he'll tell you the tight end premium does not matter. And then the league I'm in with him starts two tight ends. You can flex a third. That's one and a half point PPR, which I think is his way of saying it doesn't matter, but I'm going to allow you guys to do whatever you want. Um, I don't know that it matters, Dan, 
Uh, I went into the leagues last year with a philosophy of waiting and waiting on guys like Higby and Conklin, and boy, it paid off for the most part. But they don't always pan out, but you, the, the, the price is so little uh, that it doesn't crush you until you get into the playoffs and Kelsey catches 25 passes for 150 yards and eight touchdowns, and you're beat by him solely. But you know what? That's why that's why he's a first-round pick anyway, right? So his his massive production that smokes you in the playoffs – was going to do so in a non PP, a non uh, tight end premium league anyway. So I think you can, you got to play the board, man. I know that's kind of like a blah, blah, lazy answer, but it's so much the truth because you have your tier of tight ends, and I'm not reaching to tight end tier three when uh, Brandon Ayuk or Najee Harris is still on the board. It's just not happening. I don't care if I get a point and a half for their catches. If they only catch 50 catches, I only just earn 25 extra points instead of bypassing a, a player that's going to do a, a tremendous amount more production, even if it's not at that one and a half point um, value. So for my money, I think you can certainly, like if I have a league, if I'm if I have the third pick in FPC and Jefferson and Chase are gone, I'm probably taking Kelsey. But that doesn't mean that I think you should pump Kelsey way up the board because I already have him, I think, at four on my board right now. So I moved him up one spot. Um, yeah, but I just don't. Thing, that's the thing about tight end premium, though, is like I don't think it gets – the guys are still the same. Like yeah. tight end versus tight end, it doesn't change anything. You really want to make a tight end premium league, and I've always said this. And, in fact, in uh, my 10-team couch potato league, which we we lost a bunch of owners, so we went from 12 to 10 teams. Yeah, we did the two quarterbacks. We actually made it two tight ends too. That is a true premium. That's absolutely. That's when you get into the depth, not just. I, I, I'm so with well, you on that. Yeah, I mean, I'm not. I'm not knocking it by strategy, but you want to call it tight end premium. Start two tight ends instead of one, and then that's <laughs> the, a true Travis premium. Kelsey. Now, guys, like even these mid tier guys, we're talking about whoever it is, whether it's Kyle Pitts or Hawkinson or you know whoever it is, your like fourth or fifth tight end on the board. Those guys become way more valuable in that format than a one and a half point PPR reception compared to the other tight ends on the board. Yeah, I'm with you there. And I think, uh, I think we're all kind of still evolving with tight end premium. If we're being honest, hey, you know what I, I say is try a bunch of different formats. I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm not opposed to any of them, but uh, it definitely back as we steer it all the way back here to draft strategies, James, uh, they change greatly when you get into those types of leagues. Let's talk about tight ends from a dynasty perspective. Okay. I mean, Kelsey, first of all, in Dynasty Startup, is this guy still high on your board? Yeah, but no. Um, so if I'm in an auction and no one's bidding on him, I'll price and force, but I'm not necessarily trying to get him. Um, if he slides down the board far enough, I will take him. Um, but, you know, it's interesting. In this Dynasty class, uh, this rookie class is really good. So... I mean, if you get a Kelsey and he slides a little bit second round or something, boy, just back him up with it. Doesn't even have to be uh, Kincaid or Mayer. It could be somebody else, but just back him up with one of the guys out of this rookie class too, and just build some depth with it. So if you do attack a an aging player like Kelsey um, or whomever else, maybe you call Goddard that at this point, just make sure that you you get some depth, even if it's crazy deep depth depth like a Brenton Strange or something. All right, let's get into talking about some of these players. And like we will do on all of our position breakdowns, we're going to go through a number of categories, starting here with some breakout candidates, some tight ends that maybe they're not in that top tier or two right now, outside the top seven or eight guys on the board. 
Who are some names a little further down the list that could join that group? And James, we'll start with you. Anybody really pop out on your charts? I think there's one guy that probably is the highest on everybody's draft board and uh, the highest on our breakout board. And that's David Njoku. I mean, the former first round pick, he's been in the league for a while, but is still incredibly young. Uh, so it's taken a little bit for him to develop, but he showed some real signs last year. He is an absolute physical specimen. Uh, so the eyeball test, he gets an A plus on without a doubt, but we've seen strides. And if this offense makes any strides forward, he'll be a part of it. He's at the back end of the tight end ones. Uh, he, he looks the part. He has been growing into the part. And again, unlike some other players who have been in the league as long as him, I think he was 20 when he was drafted. He's like young, young veteran. Oh, dude, last year, I mean, I, I already always knew all the things you just said, but last year when I actually went in person and watched the uh, Bengals and Browns play, and, you know, that was Deshaun Watson, one of his first, second game back, I believe. And, uh, you know, as you know, my tickets are right there on the visitor sidelines up close, and I'm like, holy crap. Yeah, like, dude. You put your eyeballs on somebody. Uh, A-plus on the eyeball test. Oh, He's my scary. gosh. I was like, okay. And I guess to the point, we're talking about guys that are being drafted basically outside the, or on the verge of the cusp of the back end of this top 10. You know, these 10 through 12, were, you know, these 10 through 15 guys. That's the that's why he elevates to the top, but it's also because of what I said in previous podcast about Deshaun Watson liking him, buying in all these uh, ADP values. On the, I'm buying in on the Browns' offense as a whole. I, I honestly, I mean, as much as I hate to say as Bengal fans, I mean they're a team that I think has the best chance to be uh, the team that maybe ends the Bengals' three year run. I like them better than the Ravens or the Steelers in, inside this division, and it starts with these weapons. So I would add, uh, a, you know. Okonko, uh, Chiggy Okonko for Tennessee is a guy that, I mean, eyeball test, I didn't see him up close. Uh, he's certainly not Njoku, but, you know, uh, a guy that doesn't look like your typical tight end, more of a receiver almost uh, in his frame. And that's that's interesting. But, I mean, in his last six games, he got 23 passes, 268 yards, two touchdowns. He had a two-point conversion. He basically was a top 10 in PPR leagues during that stretch. And, that's where I think he can be again this year, James. He's being drafted outside the top 10 currently. Uh, here's a guy. I mean, and part of it, outside Traylon Burks, what does the Titans have? Unless they sign Hopkins, surprise. I mean, maybe if they sign Hopkins, I would back down of this a little bit right now. Uh, and I'm not getting crazy and predicting he's going to be a top five tight end or anything. But right now, here's a guy that's not even in – he's tight end 12, tight end 13. I think he's got a, a real shot at uh, doing what he did down the stretch last year, and that's being a top 10 player at the position – uh, and certainly capable of some big games. Nothing against a player. I, I am terrified of that offense. Uh, and maybe they're an offense that bounces back. Maybe they're a team that bounces back because uh, they were the one seed in the AFC two years ago. Let's not forget that. They're not that far removed from that. Uh, but I'm just not – I don't know. I'm terrified of this offense. It is one I am not buying into. And if I'm not buying into the offense outside of Derrick Henry in some spots, hard for me to say I, I can get uh, into Oconquo even though – I can't argue with uh, the fact that he could be a great player. It's just the offense terrifies me. I still drinking my Greg Dulcich Kool Aid too. Sure. Uh, back to the Sean Payton uh, factor. You know, you look at Payton, and you look back at some fantasy stuff and some names. Kobe Fleener, uh, remember him? Uh, <laughs> most people don't, but he actually was a fantasy stud. Jared Cook, we saw some big years out of him in New Orleans. Uh, seems like I'm missing somebody. 
Um, I met Marquez Colson started as a tight end, didn't he? I don't know. I think so. <laughs> either way. I'll tell you what, totally aside, but I was looking back at some old drafts, and there's funny how there's a few guys. Darren Waller actually was a receiver since we're on the tight end episode uh, on draft day. I was looking. There was some odd – yeah, some odd names. Obviously, Antonio Gibson drafted as a receiver, played running back. Sorry, you totally got me on a, a side, but I was doing some homework the other day, and uh, it was just a little tangent that got me excited on these players that aren't what they were. Yeah. Anyway, I'm sorry. Well, no, I mean, I think – we don't expect much out of rookies, but this guy has a rookie, James. He averaged 12 and a half yards per catch, playing in a disastrous offense. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, down the stretch, I mean, he was a top 10, 15 quarter or tight end every week. If I think Russell Wilson is, I'm not saying going to be a fantasy stub, but show signs of improvement. If this offense is going to show big steps forward, then Dulcich is a guy that you're drafting as a tight end, too, that certainly could end up being your tight end one. Didn't Russ like the tight end? I mean, him and Jimmy Graham had a moment or two together. Will Disley was a thing because of uh, Russ. Like, I think that this could be a thing. And yeah, uh, thanks. So Jimmy you. Graham was the Sean Payton tight end. I was struggling to to put in my brain there. So uh, thank you. All right, let's move along to. Uh, and you got anybody else on the? Poised for a breakout list. Well, I'm with you on Dulcich as well. Um, let's just say because we'll, we'll go back to that second year class. I'm hoping that Trey McBride is poised for a breakout. I don't know if it's going to happen, but this is the year it should happen. When they're not good, there's no one else to catch the ball. Second year in the league. Uh, it's it's as early as it is. It's almost do or die time for Trey McBride. So he better break out a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, moving along uh, here as we're talking tight ends, it's the Fantastics Insider Football Podcast. Dan Claskins, James Adams breaking it down for you as we will throughout the summer. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen. We talk breakouts. Let's talk bust. And based off ADP, those those top five or six guys, James, there's a few names in there scaring me, and I'll just throw them out there. George Kittle with the injuries, Darren Waller with the new team and the age, and the injuries all above, all the above, D all the above. So these two guys, I'd like to first get your thoughts on Kittle, and are you as worried about paying a fourth or fifth round pick for him as I am? Yeah, I am for a lot of reasons. I mean, now McCaffrey in the offense. What if we have a health? And I know that's a big what if. Uh, but what if we had a healthy McCaffrey and Debo and Ayuk? I mean, how much Kittle do we need? A lot of mouths to feed. And then what if Elijah Mitchell's like this change of pace, dude? And sure. Trey Lance actually gets the starting jobs running all of a sudden. Uh-huh. I think there's lots of – look, I-, I mean, we know what George Kittle is capable of. And we know that – He's an awesome NFL player. You'd love to have him on your team, blah, blah, blah. But that doesn't mean that he's going to garner the same kind of target volume that a, a Pitts or a Hawkinson are, quite frankly. And so it just seems to me like if you're drafting Kittle in a best ball league, I get that because statistically he's been there year in, year out. It doesn't mean he's going to be this year. He's proven to put it up, but it, it comes in bunches. And Kittle's one of those players, if you draft him, you kind of have to start him no matter what. Yeah. And there are going to be some down he, weeks. He's back end around five right now in the latest underdog ADP here no over thanks. the last week or so. Tight end four, pick five, 12. You're looking at the players in that range. So the couple few picks before him, you get guys like Justin Herbert, Chris Godwin, J.K. Dobbins, Marquise Brown, Alexander Madison. We're, we're at QB7, RB18 and 19, wide receiver 29 and 30. We're we're in thirty deep at receiver when we're getting to the fourth tight end, mm-hmm. and by time you get to the seventh, eighth, or ninth tight end, let's just take a guy like Najoku we were just talking about, or your guy like Evan Ingram, mm-hmm. dude. These guys are ninth round picks, James uh, Ingram, slightly ahead of Najoku. Two guys that we both think 
probably could approach George Kittle numbers if they hit ceilings. Yep. Uh, and James, now you're looking at guys in wide receiver 50. Uh, Tyler Boyd's going one pick before Najoku. Uh, Rashad White and David Montgomery, just two picks in front of Evan Ingram, right? Uh, not that that's terrible. You got Elijah Moore there. So you're like RB 26, 27 because you waited around for tight end eight. Mm-hmm. And my point I'm making is here is I don't think there's as big of a difference between tight end four and tight end eight and nine as I do between wide receiver 29, 30, 31 and wide receiver 45, 46, 47. Because totally agree with you. That is what it takes when you pay up here. And to me, it's Kelsey. It's Andrews. At their price, I'm fine paying it. Andrews, I like a little bit more if he slips more later in the round three instead of where he's at now, which is early round three. But after that, I mean, Hawkinson, I do like. I like Pitts. I think those guys have to drop, though, for me to get to them, and they're not dropping. And people are paying the Kittle price. Then Dallas Goddard. Dallas Goddard's the cutoff for me in early round seven. After that, I'm waiting, dude. And I'm going to see how it falls out. And I'll end up with a, a pile of crap. But you know what? I'll be stocked at the positions that I really am interested in. Uh, hey, you're preaching to the choir. I mean, how do guys that we're going to be talking about eventually here, as we could keep doing down the board, and Tyler and Tyler become my guys? Because I'm playing that philosophy. I've been doing it for years. If I don't get one of the elites, we see the turnover at the tight end position. Uh, it just churns the middle ground after those top couple of yeah. guys. And so I don't want to be in that churn when I paid, you know, for tight end eight and I get them in their tight end 16 year. No, thanks. Yeah. And I know you're with me on Darren Waller. Let's talk about why you uh, are staying away from the veteran. Well, if you listen to us talk about quarterbacks a week ago, I don't think Daniel Jones is a guy who has taken that quote unquote next step, even though he got paid, he threw what? I don't know, less than 20 touchdowns. It was like 15 or something. Um, I mean, that offense just kind of is gross to me. There's nothing exciting. And Darren Waller, I mean, I he can't stay healthy. I know we're supposed to like be a, uh, you know, oh, you can't just say that guy gets injured all the time. This guy gets injured all the time. I just, I have no interest in Waller when I can just wait around a little bit longer and, and get, whether it's right at that same point, get Njoku, who has that physical beast presence that Waller showed for a year, but you know is physically fit enough to stay on the field and play games, or I'll wait for those guys I just mentioned before that are tight end twos. I just no thanks on Waller, dude. Been bit, not interested. 31 in September, missed six and eight games the last two years. Three different injuries, all spells doom. I'll tell you another thing that spells doom is when your team trades up for a round one pick on a rookie tight end. And that's why I don't like Dawson Knox this year. James, he's been hit or miss now. He, I mean, it's touchdown or bust lately. I mean, there are moments where it's been nice, and they just didn't use him all that much. He's never caught 50 passes in the season. Over the last two years, we got 17 players at the position with more targets than he does. And in PPR leagues, because of that, it's t- a touchdown-heavy guy. He even drops further down in value. Now you add in Kincaid, who is overhyped for this year at least. Sure. And- Probably a guy that's being overdrafted, too. This isn't a push for Kincaid. This is all of this added up together tells me I want nothing to do with Dawson Knox. Yeah, I'm with you, too. I mean, I think uh, 
you know, be it Allen scoring at the goal line. Now maybe it's Harris scoring at the goal line. The rookie tight end making himself more of a presence in the offense. Come playoff push time, if you turn to Knox, uh, I'm with you wholeheartedly here. Knox is a player that, you know, I never was a, a huge believer in. And, you know, all of a sudden, what, he got his eyeballs fixed and he knew how to catch the ball, but not good enough apparently for the Bills. Yep. Let's move. Uh, any other bust that you want to throw out before we move along? Not really. I think it's hard to describe anybody as a bust outside of like the top, you know, if you're not a tight end one, you can't be a bust. So not really. Let's get down to some bounce back candidates. And man, we've got to start with Kyle Pitts. I I realized that last year the hype train was rolling, uh, but a lot of it, I mean, Marcus Mariota couldn't get him the football, dude. And not that Desmond Ritter is better, but uh, we there is some hope there. And this offense is going to get better with the Bajan Robinson and some of the other pieces. Uh, I mean, you look at Pitts last year, James. He finished with thirty yards or less in all but th- uh, all but three games. He only scored three touchdowns in twenty-seven games as a pro. I mean, those are some brutal stats. Yet, and I'm on it. he's a guy that I'm willing to draft at his current ADP because I do believe this guy has, is the real deal. I just think it hasn't worked out for him yet. This is a guy I really do think we will see a breakout this year. And right now he's tight in five mid round six. Uh, I'd love to get him in in the sixth round as my tight end uh, one, but I've seen him go a little earlier than that. Even in some recent drafts we're in, are you as optimistic on him? I guess if, if so, or if not either way, like what's your, long-term outlook on this guy can he be as great as he was originally advertised yes tight ends take a while they just take a while oh by the way when tight ends take a while what does it look like in their rookie year well it doesn't look like a thousand freaking receiving yards on 68 catches was what he did his rookie year in an offense that wasn't very good um i think the dynasty prospects for kyle pitts i mean look if uh you know if i have hawkinson ahead of him. It is what it is. I don't see how Pitts is not in your top three. And if you wanted to make the argument that he was your number one tight end in dynasty, I couldn't tell you you were stupid. I could tell you. I mean, I shouldn't tell people that anyway. I mean, it's not nice. You tell me I'm stupid all the time. Oh, I know. I guess that's true. I, I'm trying I'm trying to get better. At that <laughs> you, well, actually, you say much meanier things, but <laughs> we'll save that for off the air. But I mean, certainly if you want to make the argument that Pitts is number one dynasty tight end, how do you, I have no argument that I, I I can't tell you that it's the the wrong decision. It isn't necessarily mine, but you're not going to catch me telling anybody it's not the right decision and that it can't work out. It most assuredly can. Yes, there's no doubt about that. Bounce back, I'm not sure because it hasn't been all that great for him. But uh, Kyle Pitts, not the only tight end that's had some uh, misfortunes. Irv Smith injuries have plagued him, James. Twenty one times he's played in 50 games over the last 50 for his team that is he came to Cincinnati I love it when he met Zach Taylor he's like I'm their missing piece for the Super Bowl took the pay cut wanted to play on the one-year deal prove it with Burrow health is a factor he's got to overcome it but when you look again at ADP and these things factored in none of us are targeting Irv Smith but for guys like me that like to live in the tight end dumpster tight end 17 I think that's his ADP, and I I like him to hit on that value, and I think there's an opportunity for him to take a step beyond that. Yes, but if I'm going to be forced to start him regularly, like, you know, I waited and waited, there's probably guys that I think are going to be more focal points of their offense I'd rather have. 
But I've told you this in best ball where I started with, you know, I'm doing the Kelsey uh, stack, but instead of taking Mahomes, I take Higgins and then I get Burrow. So then my alternative to Kelsey is Irv Smith as my tight end too. Then I really like it because I have him in best ball paired with Burrow, get the good, but really he's just a, a plug in the gap every once in a while for Kelsey. But starting him every week, I mean, I just, you know, I don't know that Hayden Hurst was ever a startable guy no. on a weekly basis. I mean, dude, there's ago. not anybody in that tier that I think as like I'm thrilled about. Well, I know you're about to talk about two, two Tutty Tyler. Tasty Tyler Higby. Hell yeah, man. Yeah, but Higby's not even in that tier, to be fair. I he, mean, he is what he's probably tied in 14 or 15. Well, no, you're right. He is only one spot ahead of him. That, yeah. That's it. I, to be clear, I would rather have Tyler Higby as well. Uh, but again, I'm just talking about dudes that have, you know, bounce back might be strong for Irv Smith because he hasn't been able to do much, but bounce uh, back to the hype. Cause he was a first round pick if I'm not mistaken, yeah, right? So bounce back to what the expectations might've been. Yeah. Uh, Higby, I don't, I mean, I like Higby better. I think he had a pretty solid season last year. Yeah. There's no bounce similar. back to him. Yeah. Just, uh, but in terms of I'm with you, I'm with you. I mean, Irv Smith, it, by, by all measures, we're not expecting this guy to be anything more than a to buy week filler tight end to if you're in a two tight end league though right We're, we talked mm-hmm. about in a two tight end setup for instance like i play on my 10 teamer with uh two tight ends like Irv smith could be a target in a two tight end league because you know I, he he is a guy that's like all right you know i got me a decent tight end over here uh but anyway i know we talked one starter in a two tight end league zach Ertz injuries 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 we don't know for sure he's over him but what we do know james is that there's not much else here. I mean, mm-hmm. Trey McBride, I do expect him to get more involved. But even if he's involved and Hurts is healthy, gotcha. he's got to be used here on this awful team. He got seven touchdowns and a pair of two-point conversions in 21 games with the Cardinals. So they use him. They're going to need him. They're going to be playing from behind. So you're looking at Zach Hurts right now. You're not paying anything hardly to get this guy on your rosters. Uh, at the latest ADP currently, over at Underdog, which I'm trying to find it. He's so far down the list, James. Tight end 36. Mm-hmm. I mean, it makes sense, right? He, he tore an ACL. He's not going to play early in the season or be effective, I would think. I could be dead wrong about this. Even if he but, plays 10 games, though, and gets that type of volume, he could push for top 15 numbers. You know, he could. I mean, you're making the case for if you've, you know, if you're, but, but I, I think what's going on, especially with Underdog, is is there upside in that offense? Is there, are you taking a third tight end? You know, or are people constructing rosters to the point where he's even in the thought process when You're you get right. to that? The ADP, ADP source here is misleading. I will certainly agree to that. But the point is, is even in the draft masters and stuff, I'm in over at the KFFC. I'm getting him as now my, you're talking. I'm getting him as tight end three in the 20th round somewhere. Now you're talking. Underdog goes 18 rounds. KFFSC is going 30 rounds, I think. So now you're talking rounds, about 20 yeah. rounds. Now you're talking about Ertz all of a sudden does come in play because you're right. Um, and, and who's to say with the weak receiving core they have in Arizona that when healthy, they're not running two tight end sets with Ertz and McBride. Yeah, and I'll tell I you. I mean, they may have to out of not a necessity. Not it design. goes back to your construction. Again, I mean, this is a guy that I definitely think uh, we're talking bounce back candidates, right? I mean, sure, we know we still got to get over the injuries and such, but – Actually, in the league, I got Zach Ertz. I'm just looking at my tight end situation because uh, this was a couple ones ago. 
Uh, actually, I'm, I'm, I've got the wrong league here, so just forget it. I thought I was going to reference okay. this great thing, but I got so many best balls. I'm now blending them in my brain. Well, I have plenty as well. Uh, Dan. <laughs> I've got one more bounce back in it. Who do you got too. for us? Well, a fella who was basically just cast away by his team a year ago, Mike Gusecki. Uh, This guy had 700 receiving yards in back-to-back seasons, and then just didn't fit the McDaniel system down there in Miami. They, you know, and obviously Tyreek Hill comes in. Everyone's making room for him. Not that he hasn't made room for a tight end himself before, but Gasecki now goes to New England. Um, I think he's in in play for a big time bounce back. They clearly want tight end to be a part of their offense based on their recent history. And I'm not even talking about the Gronk Hernandez stuff. I'm talking about they signed two just a couple of years ago. Jonu Smith not there anymore, but they went back to the well and signed another one here in Gusecki. So uh, they liked what they saw out of him in Miami. I think he's definitely a good bounce back candidate. Fair enough. There you have it. Some bounce back candidates. Let's get to some storylines to watch. And uh, let's talk about the guy at the top, Travis Kelsey, James. I mean, here is a guy that uh, just keeps on doing it, right? And, I mean, the numbers are just eye-popping and last year it, it you thought with Tyree Kill gone and all the extra defensive attention on him it wouldn't continue but it certainly did tight end one once again and I mean he's been that now in six of the last seven seasons so uh unbelievable it'll be 34 in October obviously that is a bit concerning father time remains undefeated mm-hmm. uh but, James, I mean, durability, it can't get much more durable at the position than Kelsey. He's only missed a single game in the last nine years due to injury. Mm-hmm. I mean, boy, you, like, you know, he's not exactly the the tough guy that Rob Gronkowski was, but his availability is elite. And, I mean, I don't see why the target volume would change. I know the offense might change a little bit, but you want to talk about – I mean, they've got some decent weapons now if Moore and, and Tony – uh, can both be healthy and productive. That's, I mean, that's all it's taken to keep the offense uh, moving with him last year. I don't see why it can't happen again. Yeah. If you look at the just three-year stat window, he's averaging 18 more yards per game than the next closest tight end on the list and 14 more touchdowns than the next closest tight end on the list. So the ability you get right now, he's going in mid-round one. I've tried some drafts with him in mid round one and the ones I've tried, I really liked how it end up looking. Mm-hmm. So, Me too, man. Uh, I think I've got him number five on my board. He certainly is uh, that now in dynasty. I still think he's elite right now, James, because of how much elite he is. And I think there's, you know, it's going to be a while before it hits rock bottom in the position. So I'm not even selling on him in dynasty. If he's the number one uh, tight end and redraft uh, this year, uh, I mean, I like winning championships, so he's, if not the number one tight end in in Dynasty, he's still right there in the conversation. Yeah. Let's talk about the rookies. We talked a little bit about Kincaid, but we can't get done with this tight end breakdown about talking <laughs> about this class and giving you a chance to do your uh, Michael Mayer promo. Well, I don't know if I'm as excited with quarterback issues that are going on in Vegas, but I'm still as excited for Mayer. Uh, the player is certainly looks the part, looks elite. And I've been, I went back and looked at some other drafts and uh, trying to like resolve with myself the fact that he wasn't the first tight end taken out of this class. And I still want to tell everyone that he's my number one tight end. And I want to do so without being biased because we went to the same high school. Uh, and here's what I'm looking at 
there are years where if you want to go back Baltimore, they didn't even take Mark Andrews number one in that draft themselves. They took Hayden Hurst. So not every team gets it right with their first pick and not every first draft a uh, first drafted tight end has been the best tight end in their class. Goddard wasn't the first tight end in his class either. Um, now he was in that great class with Andrews, et cetera. But um, I don't think that it's inc- it's crazy to think that there is a a handful of good rookies. This is a good class. You're in dynasty drafts, and I, I know this isn't the question about how big of a role the rookies will have this year, but this is a really good class. When you're in the third, fourth round, you're not sure where to go. Take a stab at one of those tight ends. They may well not pan out at all, but we've seen a couple classes. I think Schultz was in that class with Andrews and with Goddard. We've seen some classes that put together a handful of good tight ends. I mean, Hayden Hurst is in that class too. I don't see why this one can't be the same. And yes, of course, I think Mayer, boy, if Garoppolo's healthy in that system, I don't know that it's this year, but the system feeds the type of tight end baby Gronk was because, of course, it came from New England where Gronk came from. We talked about tight ends that used to play wide receiver. Jawan Johnson, one of them. And he's a guy that I'm intrigued by. I want to talk about this and his teammate. I think this is one of the biggest storylines to watch. Dan, in two of the last four years, two of the last three years, Taysom Hill has been a top seven tight end in PPR. Last year, he had nine catches and was a top seven tight end in PPR. In PPR, and he had nine catches. The two other years in the last four, he's been a top 20 tight end. Taysom Hill is going off, I think, tight end 20 and underdog. I have no idea what his role will be. Obviously, with what Johnson did last year, Taysom Hill was still productive, but he was productive as a runner. I don't know how long this lasts, but my goodness, in these best ball formats, when we're talking tight end 20, and this is a guy in two of the last three years who has been a top 10 tight end, don't we got to talk Taysom Hill? I know you said Juwan Johnson. I think the Saints tight end room is like incredibly interesting this year. I like Jawan Johnson because of his athletic ability. Last year, he caught seven touchdowns in seven games, really got on the fantasy radar quickly, and they gave him a two-year contract, $12 million. Uh, So you look at some of the other contracts, some of these guys like Irv Smith, some of these others we talked about. I mean, that's a pretty big deal. Uh, They know what they got. Now, they did sign Foster Moreau, and uh, obviously he had his – a health scare and now it's looking like he's going to be able to uh, play through that and he's going to be with the saints so it does muddy the waters there a little bit i'm also interested to uh you know we talked about you know some of these deeper darts tight ends i know tyler conklin a name oh, you've yeah. thrown out uh i'll let you talk about him anybody else on that list uh for those that really wait to scrape the barrel at the position well i'll reiterate Taysom hill but he is a little bit higher up that board when you get down there, uh, for me, Tyler Conklin is actually a player that I have, uh, you know, higher than where he is going on those boards. I'm sure that's a stunner for you, but we saw it. We saw him do it twice. He did it in Minnesota, then he moved to New York, and he did it there. Um, I mean, this is a this is a dude who's going to give you a top 15 or so PPR production from the tight end position, and he's the guy in New York. And Aaron Rodgers has thrown the ball to some tight ends in his past, and I'm not sure, you know. Is Garrett Wilson going to be a big target around the end zone? What if Brees Hall isn't healthy enough to be that goal line bully? Maybe Abana Kanda doesn't end up being that guy. Like, I think Tyler Conklin, look, you're never going to love starting him weekly because the confidence is not there when we've seen weeks where he gets no targets or two targets, no catches. But as late as he's going in the draft, he's way more productive. I guess people, you can make the argument the upside isn't there, but 500 yards and five touchdowns under Aaron Rodgers is going to be there, and if he has 50 catches, I got news for you. 
like I said, that puts him in that top 15 at tight end. Man, we just crushed 40 minutes on tight ends. Uh, always fun breaking down fantasy with you, my friend. Uh, we definitely got more ahead. Uh, up next in our next podcast, uh, we'll be hitting the running back breakdown. And hey, you now calendars hit July now. This is the time to get serious about winning. So you need to keep up with the podcast. Go hit the subscribe button wherever you listen. Insiderfootball.com. You can get us there too. And also, Subscribe to the Fantastics Draft Advisor. Start loading your rosters in uh, and get ready for all the drafts ahead. James, it's going to be a lot of fun, my friend. Yes, sir. I'm looking forward to keeping the party going. For James Adams, I'm Dan Claskins. We'll see you next time on the Fantastics Insider Football Podcast.